Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive light into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And thank you for last week, everybody. Uh, had a cord that was bad. Had to go through some things to make sure that it's up and running again. And it is. So back to normal work today. So today's episode is going to be on Do Not Be Anxious About Anything. And from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything comes together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Worry will kill your joy and cause you stress. We tend to expect the worst in life. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. They affect 18.1% of the U.S. population. But worry isn't just a mental issue. It's a spiritual one. It's assuming responsibility that God never intended for us to have. It's playing God and trying to control the uncontrollable. There was once a scientific study on worry that discovered 40% of our worries never happen. 30% of our worries concern the past. 12% of our worries are needless worries about our health. 10% of our worries are insignificant and petty concerns. And 8% of our worries are really legitimate concerns. Worry is worthless. It can't change the past or control the future. It only messes you up right now. It's an incredible waste of energy. It's doing without doing. When we worry about things, they get bigger and bigger. The Bible says, don't worry about anything. It's one of the hardest commands to obey. It's even more countercultural when you consider where Paul was when he wrote it. He was sitting in a prison waiting for the emperor to execute him. Worry is something we learn to do. You must practice worry to get good at it. If it is learned, it can also be unlearned. Jesus said in Matthew 6.34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus gives us an ultimate antidote to worry. Live one day at a time. God will take care of tomorrow. And again, from Philippians 4, 6, and 7, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Living a life free of worry and anxiety sounds wonderful, but it's that really possible? How can followers of Jesus live this kind of life? While the verse might seem pretty simple to understand, there is much we can glean from taking a deeper dive in Philippians 4.6. So what we are going to see in this verse is not just a command to not be anxious about anything, but help at how we can do so. Many of the New Testament books are actually letters, and these letters were written to a real group of people who faced real-life problems. These letters, mostly written by the Apostle Paul, were addressing these people and their unique circumstances. For us to understand how to properly apply Paul's letter to our life, we need to understand the circumstances in which they were written. 
This letter was written by Paul and addressed to the church of Philippi. Paul felt a great kinship with this church that went back years. Now, the city of Philippi was a polytheistic culture that did not exactly welcome Paul when he first visited. They were stripped, beaten with rods, severely flogged, and thrown in prison. Despite this, the church of Philippi remained strong and supported Paul in his ministry. Fast forward a while, and things are starting to look more and more bleak for this church. Paul is under house arrest. They are starting to face persecution. Church members were acting selfishly. False teaching were arising, and Paul even calls out two women by name. So it might seem a little surprising that Paul intentionally focuses on joy and rejoicing through this letter to Philippian church. This church is facing external pressures and internal pressures. Paul is challenging this church to not look at their circumstances for joy, but rather to look to God. It's possible to rejoice in our suffering when we root ourselves in Christ. As Paul starts to wrap up this letter with one final command to rejoice, he ends with the solution of how to do so. And that's what leads us to the verse we are looking at. To help us understand what this verse is saying for us today, I'd like to go through it section by section so we can try to understand it a little better. So when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, he's referring to anxiety that overwhelms and consumes, not a general worry or care. We know this because earlier in this letter, Paul commands Timothy for being anxious over the welfare of his people. We should be positively concerned for others, but not unduly worried about anything. The goal is clearly set and steep, but really this verse should be read more as an encouragement. We need not to worry because we have a good God who cares about us and what we're going through. For many, they only know the first section of this verse. However, in the later parts, Paul is going to tell us why and how we cannot be anxious about anything. We should also understand that some struggle with severe anxiety. Some will claim that a proper faith will heal all anxiety, but that's a misinformed view. For those struggling with anxiety that will not dissipate, a visit to a doctor is the wise thing to do. So God can remove your anxiety through prayer, and he can also help you manage it through medication. And if possible, and if you need, you should do both. So don't be anxious about anything. So what should we do instead? Paul's about to give us the answer. We should in every situation pray and petition with thanksgiving. The picture Paul is painting is that we shouldn't pray once, rather we should keep going to God with our needs. Every time we are anxious, we should take that before God. Paul tacks onto this by saying that we should do this with thankfulness. This is the heart in which we should be going before God. Why thankful? Because we have a God who cares and is invested in what we are facing. Not only that, when we express gratitude, it changes our hearts. So it also says to present your request to God. God is a good father who cares for his children. Therefore, we should present our request and our needs to him. What Paul is saying is when we are worrying about something, we should bring it to God. On our own, we are powerless to change the thing we are worried about. But God is the one who can actually bring change and healing. If you have time to worry, you have time to pray. Our worry should draw us close to our Father in prayer. And Philippians 4, 7 tells what will happen if we do the above. We will find peace, 
Not peace dependent on our circumstances, but peace that transcends understanding. The peace of God is found in a person, Jesus, and we can experience that peace even when our lives are falling apart. So let's look at five lessons that we can pull from the Philippians 4-6 meaning. The first one is God's got you. Fear and worry builds when we place the burdens in our life on ourselves. All throughout the Bible, we are reminded that God is with us and he will care for us. Philippians 4.6 is another reminder that God has got us. We need not to worry because God will not let us down. And the second is prayer is powerful. In just this short verse, Paul mentions prayer four times. Each time, Paul uses a different word for prayer. He's showing us how powerful prayer is and what it does in our life. First, he uses a general term for our communication with God, then our petitions for our needs, thanksgiving for what God has done in our life, and finally, presenting our specific requests. The bottom line is prayer is powerful. It does things that we cannot fully comprehend on this side of heaven. And the third, worry can't change anything. Jesus says that worrying cannot add a single hour to our life. Paul is echoing that statement here. Worry accomplishes nothing. In fact, it does the opposite. It takes from us and gives nothing in return. The Philippians 4.6 meaning is a challenge for us to look at our Heavenly Father who is in control. And the fourth, practice gratitude. It almost seems out of place that in the middle of Philippians 4.6, Paul throws in with thankfulness. But I don't think that was a mistake. It's hard to worry when we practice gratitude and notice all the ways that God has provided for us in the past. And the fifth, peace is found in a person, not circumstances. So we often think peace is found when we have a peaceful life, when things are going as planned and tragedy stays away. But the Bible teaches us a different lesson. Peace is found not in our circumstance, but in a person, Jesus. Jesus never promised us an easy life, but he did promise us peace in his presence. That's what Paul is reminding us of in Philippians 4.6. So Philippians 4.6 and 7 is a powerful verse for us today. It should be a verse that we commit to memory. And when anxious thoughts start to grip our life and control our thoughts, we should meditate on these words. Practice the lesson and find the peace that God has for us. So next, I want to introduce the song, and it's called Let Us Pray by Tommy Walker. And here it is. As we come to him in prayer, let us trust his boundless grace. As we feel his love embrace, let us pray. Nothing is impossible unto us when we believe his healing power can be seen. Let us pray, let us pray, let us pray, pray by faith in Jesus' name, as His Spirit gives us aid. Let us pray, in our triumph, in our pain, in our loss and in our gain, let His glory be proclaimed, let us pray. The hour of trial When we can endure no more When we're shaken to the core Let us pray 
Even though we stumble, though we fall, resurrection life is ours. And through our weakness comes His strength. Oh, let us praise. Angels marvel at God's plan. How through us His power shone. Satan's kingdom overthrown. Oh, let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. Pray by faith in Jesus' name. As His Spirit gives us aid. Let us pray. In our triumph, in our pain. In our loss and in our gain. Let His glory be proclaimed. And let us lift our eyes and see People searching for the way Help us work while it is day Lord, let us pray And see the harvest oh so vast Orphan, widow, and the poor Break our hearts and use us, Lord Oh, let us pray Christ, Christ the victor, Christ the King Forever He alone shall reign Coming back His bride to claim Oh, let us pray Oh, let us pray Let us pray Pray by faith in Jesus' name As His Spirit gives us aid Let us pray In our triumph, in our pain Oh, in our loss and in His Spirit gives us aid. Let us pray. Oh. In our triumph, oh, in all of our pain, in our loss, Lord, and in our gain, let His glory be proclaimed. Let us pray. Hey, what a great song by Toby Walker. And here's what he said regarding this song. He said this song is simply a call to prayer. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5.17 it says, Never stop praying. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives everyone who seeks, finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened out of Matthew 7, 7, and 8. All the believers devoted themselves to prayer out of Acts 2, 42. And Lord, teach us to pray from Luke 11, 1. So next, I want to read you a story, and it's called Anxiety Attacks by J.P. So it all started many months ago when my nine-year-old daughter witnessed a classmate get sick and throw up in their classroom. She came home horrified, sharing with me what had happened. I tried to reassure her by saying, he might have had a tummy bug or eaten something bad. I am sure he will be all right and back in school soon. Before bed, she approached me almost crying and saying she could not stop thinking about it. The scene kept playing over and over in her mind. I tried to reassure her yet again as she reluctantly went to sleep. The next morning she made it to school, but almost immediately the school nurse called to say that she had thrown up in the hall. Following some protocol, I went to pick her up and keep her home for the day. I said a quick prayer, hoping she was not coming down with anything serious or had not caught something contagious from her classmate. When I picked her up, she told me it was thinking about what had happened to her classmate the previous day that made her sick. She could not stop the thoughts and was afraid her mind would never quit playing it nonstop. So the next day was worse. She did not even make it out the door without gagging and losing her breakfast. She was unconsolable, hysterical, and with tears declaring, I do not want to go to school. My daughter missed a whole week of school was barely eating, often in tears, fearful of throwing up again. Just thinking about getting sick was making her physically vomit. Her daddy and I had no idea what to do. Never had I experienced anything like this, much less even heard of such a problem. All we could do was pray and call on others to pray with us. Our life group, pastors, family, friends, and neighbors, we were lifting her up to Jesus for mental, psychological, and spiritual strength and healing. Honestly, my husband and I were scared and helpless, and it's not a feeling parents are supposed to have. We literally got on our knees, calling out to Jesus and pleading for our daughter. We spoke to the school counselor who recommended a therapist that visits the school twice a week. She helped my daughter immensely to understand her feelings and taught her techniques to help her work through the reoccurring thoughts. Looking back on those two months last year, it felt like an eternity. Slowly but surely, we got her back in school even though she spent a lot of mornings in tears. I also spent many nights in tears begging God to strengthen her daily. Many days I had to walk her into the classroom or into the counselor's office. Many days I spent visiting her at lunch just to coach her through eating the meal. As our support system continued to pray, God provided amazing teachers and school staff to express understanding and kindness to our family, and encouragement from others who have struggled with the same problem. We received many meals and welcome friends who took the time to talk with our daughter and pray with her. The Lord also led us to an amazing Christian counselor. The outpouring of God's love has been so amazing. It has been almost a year to the day since the incident that initially triggered her anxiety. My daughter mentally and spiritually has come a long way. 
She continues the process of learning how to work through her feelings and the deeper meanings of anxious thoughts. Comfort has been found in Bible verses and praise music. Being outdoors gives her release. The Lord has revealed himself to my daughter in amazing ways. She now has a very real relationship with him. Trust him to lead and protect her, and her prayers are not rote, but very personal and intimate. The enemy intended to destroy and distract. His attacks have only made her look to the Lord more. The enemy intended to isolate her, yet she has been overwhelmed with so many pouring out love and support. The enemy intended to weaken her. Instead, her faith has grown by leaps and bounds. My daughter still deals with occasional anxiety. It is reminded to turn to God who never leaves or forsakes her, and there is help for every step of the way. I can only imagine what an awesome plan he has for my daughter. To help others in distress, to share what he has done for her, to declare his forever faithfulness for her personal experience. So Matthew 6.34, Therefore take no thought about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought about the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the trouble thereof. So don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. In the previous verses before this text, Jesus is addressing fear and worry. Nothing in this world is guaranteed apart from God, including tomorrow. There is no assurance with man that we will have a tomorrow. There is, of course, a desire to see tomorrow, but only God knows the surety of it. Therefore, we are commanded to not be anxious, fearful, or worried about tomorrow or what it may bring. Should we plan for tomorrow? Of course. James 4:14 and 15 says, What do you know about tomorrow? How can you be so sure about your life? It is nothing more than mist that appears for only a little while before it dissipates. 15 says, You should say, If the Lord lets us live, we will do these things. So worry not about tomorrow. God promises to take care of his own. So let's listen to Jesus speak in Matthew 6, 25 and 26. It says, I tell you not to worry about your life. Don't worry about having something to eat, drink, or wear. Isn't life more than food or clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant or harvest. They don't even store grains in barns. Yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth more than birds? Each day has its own set of tests, trials, and problems. God is calling us to face them head on with the confidence in knowing He is our God and that He will supply all our needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Worry is the opposite of that which God has called us to. He is calling us to trust in Him by faith. There is a song that the saints of old used to sing and is called One Day at a Time. The lyric starts off with these words, I'm only human, I'm just a man. Help me to believe in what I could be and all that I am. Show me the stairway that I have to climb. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking for from you. Give me strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. So for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. People of God live one day at a time. Do not neglect the present for the future. From Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. People of God, the command today is to give our entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God is a promise-keeping God. Will you trust in Him on today for your now and your future? If you do, He promises to take care of you. We can't change yesterday, but we can ruin today from worrying about tomorrow. So next, I'd like to read you a poem, and it's called, Don't Worry About Tomorrow, God is Already There. So don't worry about tomorrow, God is already there. Have faith of the heart, and believe in the power of prayer. I know there are those out there that just love to make you feel unworthy, but don't you know God loves you more than you're aware? So don't worry about tomorrow, God is already there. Well, I know you feel downhearted today and nothing is going your way. Somebody has hurt your feelings again and made you cry and you are worrying yourself sick over something tomorrow may or may not bring. Well, dry your eyes now. God is on your side and you will survive because no matter what, God loves you more than you can imagine to have faith of the heart and take it to him in prayer. There's really no reason to despair over tomorrow because God's already there. Everything happens for a reason according to his grand plans, although I know you wish you could understand, but he has your best interests at heart, even if it's just to make you stronger. So take it in stride now. Nothing ever lasts forever. And don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. God's already there. So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham. And it's called, How to Replace Worry with Joy. And here it is. You know, worry in this country is at an all-time high. And a, a, a doctor at the Mayo Clinic said a few weeks ago, quote, Worry affects the circulation, the heart, and the glands, and the whole nervous system, and profoundly affects the health. And Jesus is promising all the time to replace the worry with joy, his joy. He said that your joy may be full. You remember when the hurricane bell was pounding its way up the Atlantic? The national weather map, if you remember, showed a 25-mile swath of complete calm precisely in the center of that hurricane. And that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, in the midst of the hurricane of life, in the midst of the storms of life, I can give you peace. He said, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but I've spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the center of the hurricane is a place of calm. And that's what Christ brings in the middle of your life. He doesn't remove the hurricane, but he gives peace in the middle of it. What an awesome quote. Jesus doesn't remove the hurricane, but he gives you peace in the middle of it. So for me, the worries that I have are not going to go away. Jesus doesn't, doesn't take them away, but he gives me peace about them. So that does bring us to the end of our episode today. And my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the journey on with him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on God and money. 
Hey, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. So, hope everybody had a great week. God bless. And we'll catch you next week.